Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we look into making lighting up our highways more environmentally friendly while maintaining or actually enhancing safety. What we're looking at is changes in using modern technologies around white lining, around signage and crucially around road studs. We started talking about how we were going to sort of roll out this type of solution in replacement to street lighting based on our history and legacy with route safety solutions, making sure that we start heading towards net zero and vision zero initiatives in partnership. We learn about the Live Labs 2 project in the East Riding of Yorkshire, decarbonising street lighting on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations ADEPT, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK and Elkrig. So our friends at ADEPT are our hosts for today's podcast as we'll talk to both the local authority plus supplier Clearview Intelligence and we'll hear from them after we've caught up with Highways News co-owner Adrian Tatum who's been looking at some of the stories catching his eye on our website this week. Harnessing the potential of digitally connected autonomous cars and commercial vehicles to increase road safety tackle congestion and improve the accessibility of transport services will be the focus of a new National Infrastructure Commission study on connected and autonomous mobility. The government has this week published the terms of reference for the study, first announced in the autumn statement in November. The Commission has asked to consider how the government should plan, operate and maintain the country's road network and related digital infrastructure to ensure that any opportunities and future challenges from this emerging technology are accounted for in strategic transport plans. Elsewhere, powers to ban pavement parking need to be extended to all areas across England to save lives and make our streets safer, according to a new report published by the Local Government Association. Older and disabled people, including those who use wheelchairs, as well as parents and pushchairs, and younger children are all forced to navigate around vehicles which are mounted on the curb or across the footway, potentially risking their lives by stepping into the road or oncoming traffic. This also presents hazards to blind and partially sighted people. And finally, a 10-year programme of improvements will tackle the deteriorating condition of Wandsworth's roads and pavements under new proposals from the Council's Transport Cabinet member. And to that, a great initiative from the lovely people at JCT. They're offering hugely cut price tickets for September's Traffic Signal Symposium to early careers professionals, and that'll help get people informed quicker in their roles. National Highways is publicising the effect litter has on wildlife. Aberdeen's is starting the installation of signs ahead of its enforcement of its low emission zone and there's a link to a report about a driverless car being burnt out by vandals in san francisco and that will give you a flavor of what we've got covered already this week on highways news it's the email the industry waits for every lunchtime our highways news midday briefing and you can get it too if you don't already simply by going to highways-news.com slash subscribe and on our site you'll also find links to our x and linkedin feeds so you'll always be up to date because we are and let's all say it together the only place you need to go for everything you need to know we are highways news swaco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer quicker more convenient and environmentally sound from software as a service traffic management solutions to parking vms ev charging and road marking too 
Find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. Every week we bring you news from our friends at Adept here on Highways Voices and one of the regular updates is all about the Live Labs programmes. Live Labs 1 was all about the Adept Smart Places Live Labs programme while Live Labs 2 is a three-year £30 million UK-wide programme funded by the Department for Transport that will run until March 2020. With a five year subsequent extended monitoring and evaluation period. Now, seven projects grouped by four interconnected themes are being led by local authorities working alongside commercial and academic partners. Now, I was invited to the East Riding of Yorkshire to learn about one of the projects, a future lighting testbed investigating decarbonisation and rationalising street lighting and lit sign provision and testing lower carbon alternatives to street lighting and to find out more about it i chatted first to service manager of street lighting traffic signals and cctv at east riding of yorkshire carl rourke who started by explaining what they mean in this case by decarbonization that's not tailpipe emissions transport strategies and things like that this is actual decarbonization of highways activities because the department of transport has no knowledge whatsoever of embedded carbon and carbon costs of highways activities. So what are you doing here in East Riding? So in East Riding of Yorkshire, we went through the bidding process and we submitted a bid looking at street lighting and the visual environment and how we can decarbonise the visual environment for the road user. I say visual environment because ours is about looking at alternatives for street lighting in strategic locations challenging the standards that say things like roundabouts must be lit and saying street lighting carries heavy embedded carbon and constant carbon footprint with energy use and things like that how can we remove that but still provide road users with those intuitive visual indicators around hazards speed awareness and and those sorts of things so essentially we're looking at how we can replace street lighting with alternatives whilst maintaining road safety and improving road use. And we went out last night to see one of the solutions in action. Now, the reason we're not doing this interview last night is because it was absolutely freezing (laughs) and we were on an unlit road on the side of the road. So it wasn't exactly the most sensible thing to do when we're thinking about safety. But just explain to me what you've actually done already. Okay, so we've installed a couple of test beds already. Now, granted, the test beds that we've installed were on previously unlit roads and they they are still unlit. And we've utilised our existing road surfacing programme to get a head start almost. And what we're looking at is changes in using modern technologies around white lining, around signage and crucially around road studs. So what we've installed currently is white lines that are reportedly by the manufacturer around 10 times more reflective than standard. And we've installed solar powered illuminated road studs to provide lane delineation without the need for reliance on reflectivity and you know the degradation that is inherent with reflective materials Uh, in that environment so these are road studs that are visible up to 900 meters so you can actually delineate where the road is going 
beyond the extents of a, of a driver's headlights. And that delineation is visible from both car users, cyclists, HGVs, as we saw last night, coach passengers and, and coach drivers. I've got drone footage of that section of road and the studs are visible above street lighting height. And they are really quite impressive in, in terms of actually being able to see the bends and the sweeps and the curves in the road. Now, you mentioned that this is an unlit stretch mm -hmm. of road, but uh, the presumption, therefore, is that what you want to do is actually turn off or reduce lighting and replace with studs? Yep, that is the plan. We've identified two A-road test routes within East Riding. These are our two busiest roads, our most heavily trafficked roads, and we are segmenting that up and looking at a range of hazardous locations, roundabouts, junctions, etc., where lighting previously would have been the norm. The designer would say, this is how we've always done it. And what we're looking to do is provide alternative solutions using studs, using markings, using vehicle activated signs and all those other visual cues to enable us to then remove the lighting in these locations. The locations will be monitored from a safety aspect. We will be putting up CCTV cameras. We've developed a system to be able to monitor driver behavior both in daylight and in the darkness. So we'll be keeping a very close eye on, on safety and hoping to baseline driver behavior prior to the street lighting being switched off to then compare driver behavior once it's been switched off and the new interventions are in place to be able to make those decisions and quantify the difference between the two. And how long is that likely to take? So the Live Labs program is three years. It began in uh, May of uh, 2023. It runs up until the end of March 2026. Our intention is next financial year, so financial year 2024-25, is when we will be making all the big changes. So we've had a year of essentially planning, research, literature review, assessment of materials and such. Year two is when we make the changes. And year three is when we do all our monitoring and our data collection. We've already baselined the highway as it is in terms of reflectivity surveys. We've done surveys that essentially turn that visual information into data. And those surveys will continue to be run through the three-year course of the Live Labs, plus a three to five-year post-monitoring period as well. And we will submit our initial results at the end of March 2026, and then that will be continuously monitored for five years after that. It's always interesting when you look at local authorities that there's a kind of, I've heard it described as rush to be second. You don't want to, to be the first to do things because then there is the fear of blame if something goes wrong. I guess this is a way of being able to have things go wrong, being able to fail without actually being frowned upon. Yeah, that's very true. You know, local authorities are well known for their risk-averse nature from both perception and financial perspectives. And that stifles innovation and that stifles challenge, challenge to historical British standards that, you know, were first created 40 years ago and have hardly moved on since, whereas technologies have. But what Live Labs does, it's a, a sentence that I will carry through Live Labs is that it is okay to fail because by failing, you still prove something. Live Labs essentially enables us to be first and provide the evidence at the end of it that other local authorities can use 
to promote scalability. You know, there is no point just us doing it, something in East Riding along with our partners that we've got working with us. Or, you know, we've got 10 other local authority partners uh, working alongside us. But that's still just a fraction of the local authorities that are out there nationally. And if something is going to work, it needs to be scalable. And even if we can't affect change to British standards, we are hoping to provide that evidence basis from financial, carbon and safety perspectives that what we're proposing is viable and it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. I've been in this industry for 25 years. I've been writing about it for more than 10. And the number of times I've seen really clever ideas trialled in different funded projects mm -hmm. that exist where they were trialled and never actually get any further. How are we going to take, if you find this is a raging success, how do you get that to become the norm for authorities all across the country? I think that's the difference between live labs and localised funded projects. Live labs is a national venture. It is, it's involving all the devolved nations and the coverage and the visibility of live labs is something that the Department of Transport and live labs has learned from the first iteration where it was very low key, it was very localised and there wasn't much in the way of uptake. This time round, there's lots and lots of press, lots and lots of attention. I'm getting emails from local authorities that are not involved in live labs asking for progress reports and updates. This is about providing scalability and particularly our live lab. Our live lab is not introducing new expensive technologies. Our live lab is about taking existing technologies out there but changing the way they're put together and putting them together in a holistic realm. And the scalability and the uptake comes from a successful project showing big financial savings and we're anticipating really quite significant financial savings on both capital and revenue budgets, but equally feeding into those climate emergencies and the wider central government climate agenda and net zero. And it comes from a range of factors, from DFT promoting, from ourselves promoting it, access through national boards, and just getting that message out there. You know, I do a conference a month at the moment and, and it's banging that drum, get that message out there. We are here and this time round, we are looking at things that are sustainable and scalable. And you mentioned about the people in the room today that you're working with. What do they get out of being in the room, listening to what you're up to and going out and seeing it? Like I said, we have 10 recognised partners. So they get elements of funding from ourselves. We devolve some of the funding down to them and they assist us by installing test beds within their local authority areas. By doing that, they're adding to that wider evidence base they're proving the changes that we make in east riding of yorkshire and then changes to driver behavior that come off the back of that is not a localized phenomena you know changes to driver behavior that happen in aberdeenshire are similar to what happened in westminster or cambridgeshire for example what they get from it and what they bring to it is a combined willingness to say we can't continue the way we're we're doing things. We cannot financially sustain it. We cannot ecologically sustain it. What they get is that wider involvement in 
something that actually could change the way that roads are built nationally forever. He's Carl Rourke and he really knows what he's talking about. He's service manager of street lighting, traffic signals and CCTV at the East Riding of Yorkshire and he's our guest there on Highways Voices and we'll hear about the technology underpinning the solution they're testing after we've heard from our partners. Highways Voices with the latest news and events from our partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. And on a podcast about Adept, where else to start them with them and that with the water industry having to confront the issue of storm overflows and the pollution of UK rivers and seas Adept has been looking at the impact of highway surface water runoff every time it rains water polluted with microplastics trace metals hydrocarbons and other organic pollutants enters our rivers from England's 189,700 miles of road the impacts can include preventing plants from photosynthesizing and insects from reproducing. So Adept has been looking at best practice schemes using rain gardens, swales, wetlands, green roofs and permeable paving to filter and clean rainwater. These measures can filter out both oil and pollutants, ensuring that better quality water enters the sewers and drains that discharge into rivers. Local authorities and transport technology suppliers will benefit from a full day of discussion about the government's £70 million funding of improvements to traffic signals during this year's Transport Technology Forum conference in Leicestershire in April. As part of the Department of Transport's plan for drivers announced by the Secretary of State Mark Harper last October, the money is being spent on a range of solutions, including upgrading traffic signal systems, replacing unreliable and obsolete equipment to improve reliability, and tuning up signals to better reflect current traffic conditions and get traffic flowing. This year's TTF conference from the 23rd to 25th of April at the Leonardo Hotel in Hinkley Island. We'll hear from traffic signals technology suppliers alongside client local authorities along with representatives of the Department for Transport. You can find out all about it on the TTF website. Elkrig are hosting a webinar a week today, the 21st of February, all about efficient and sustainable asset management on the race to net zero. Working with Brightly, the webinar will teach you all about the efficiency of the asset management system Confirm and how aligning your assets can make them work harder for you, with real-life examples of this in practice. In the race to net zero, software can demonstrate how to build a baseline carbon footprint of each asset and roll-up data across portfolios. Analysis of this data will provide insight and recommendations for strategies to reduce carbon and predict trends over time. And ITS UK will be attending Intertraffic Amsterdam, one of the world's leading trade events for mobility professionals, and it's inviting all members to join it. ITS UK will be part of a stand covering the ITS network of national ITS associations, which is a collection of some 30 representative organisations from across Europe. ITS UK is inviting ITS UK member companies to join it and be part of the display on the ITS national stand. And you know who else will be at Intertraffic Amsterdam? Yep, I'll be there of course at Intertraffic 2, bringing you daily podcasts from the event thanks to our sponsors, Swarco. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com highwaysnews.com. Before the partner news, we heard from Carl Rourke about the decarbonisation 
Association of Street Lighting Project in the East Riding of Yorkshire. Now let's hear from the company supplying the kit, which is Clearview Intelligence, and their head of business development, Ralph Bates. And I started by asking him how Clearview got involved. It actually started when we were engaging with Carl at the TTF conference in Leeds last year where effectively they're saying that they're looking at bringing in new technologies to complement improved white lining with the team at WJ. At that point, we started talking about how we were going to sort of roll out this type of solution in replacement to street lighting based on our history and legacy with root safety solutions, making sure that we start heading towards net zero and vision zero initiatives in partnership. It's interesting how you mention net zero and vision zero because one of the things that I would imagine must be quite tough for your job is the fact that you are trying to talk to two completely different departments within a local authority. You're trying to convince the road safety people that the solar light road studs make the road safer but also then you've got to go and have a completely different conversation with the environmental people about the reduction in carbon emissions. Certainly and and it becomes even more challenging than that as well when you start looking at who's responsible for maintaining the roads, carrying out the surface treatments. Actually you've got road maintenance departments, you've got the street lighting departments that obviously we're looking at this specifically from a lighting perspective but actually yes road safety is key in making any of this possible. We have to be extremely conscious, we need to have good engagement across departments within local authorities which is traditionally very difficult. So setting up a series of workshops trying to kind of bring these different departments together, try and break down some of those silos is absolutely vital to actually make that big step change. And has the Live Labs project actually made a really big difference then? Because you said that you had the first conversations at the TTF conference in Leeds. Well, that was last April. And we've been to see two stretches of road near where we are here in uh, the outskirts of Hull to where you've actually got the studs in the road, shining away, making a difference. Exactly. So it's, it's been pretty, pretty fast-paced. The initial test beds have gone in on dark parts of the network, so we're not doing anything too drastic at this moment in terms of turning off lighting. This is really to make everyone comfortable with the technology solution. So we're not impacting any sort of road safety concerns. We're not doing anything too drastic. And actually, we get to drive down these roads actually with improved safety on these dark parts of the network and, say, get everyone used to to the look and feel of the solar light application. And it's not just on rural roads, unlit roads, and then, you know, potentially a replacement for street lighting so you can either turn off or at least turn down the street lighting. I've also seen a case study from National Highways that you've put a load of these in on the M6. Yeah, they've been going out for nearly 26 plus years now on all parts of the network in in the UK. We do a lot of work with with national highways, certainly on huge parts of the national highways network where there are road safety concerns to help improve delineation of refuge bays, to help improve slip roads and junction navigation on difficult parts of the major roads network. So um, certainly uh, a lot going on in that space as well. Why are they better? That's a fine question. Um, Predominantly, it gives better visibility. 
it gives drivers a bigger look ahead is so they can make more informed decisions about braking, decision making on, on junction navigation, lane transgressions. We're not impacted by heavy rain. We're not seeing a deterioration over a short period, which means there's increased maintenance programs needing to happen. We're able to navigate around those challenges by having an active stud. So that LED is always shining very brightly over the life of the the product, which is sort of eight to 10 years um, install base, which means that that retro reflectivity isn't wearing off effectively. We've got that sort of powered stud so we can see much further ahead We've got less maintenance programs having to go in and we're coping with a wider variety of of challenges on that road network. You mentioned about the longevity of them. Normal road studs only really last sort of 18 months to three years, don't they? So, So actually, how does it work out economically compared to having to regularly replace traditional and I presume much cheaper retro-reflective studs with these solar ones? There's certainly economies to be had with these types of deployments. Some of our biggest challenges to to market are those studs have a higher um, initial capital cost. Our challenges are that it's the roads maintenance teams that are typically installing these studs and when they're looking at what are we going to put into the road they've got a box to tick of putting in a stud of some sort they look at the price of a retroreflective stud and see a, a small cost or smaller cost against those and they see a slightly higher cost of the active studs now it needs someone to take a step back and actually look at that longer term plan because over an eight to ten year term there's significant cost savings by not having to have that replacement program in place or perhaps from even a, a route safety perspective, after sort of 18 months when those traditional retroreflective studs have sort of worn off, actually you've started to make the road network much more dangerous. And typically they're not being replaced until the next roads maintenance program, which could actually be 10, 12 years. Although there is a very short term cost saving as part of a capital scheme going in, actually the long term benefits are not being realised unless you move to an active, active stud platform. What does the participation in the Live Labs 2 project actually mean for the business in as much as getting case studies, business cases and things to actually show off to other authorities? For us personally, we've got a lot of that sort of information through the 26 plus years of of installing these studs. But actually for us as a business, what this presents is an opportunity to actually try and change the lighting standards, which actually means that rather than local authorities designing in swathes of of street lighting on, on new road developments, because that's what they've always done, which is the most sort of dangerous mindset to have in, in, in this industry, they can actually now be better informed and we can show that there's a better way of doing things with huge carbon savings, huge financial savings, and we can try and influence that design stage going forwards, which for us as a business would be absolutely fantastic. And that's very much why we're so excited and so passionate about this project, because it's going to help us steer that new standard design. And what's been the reaction from the other authorities that have joined for this meeting Fantastic reviews. Everyone was uh, incredibly surprised at how good they looked. Very impressed with the long distance visibility. 
A few local authorities, obviously slightly more urban authorities, likely not going to benefit as much from from this type of solution. But where we're looking at much more rural counties, East Riding being a fantastic example, lots of the network is possibly littered with street lighting. And that's where they see a huge opportunity to actually change this standard and, and make a big difference. So the feedback was fantastic. We're seeing really positive engagement already big interest around route safety and trying to already start networking within their local authorities going back to base and saying which departments do we need to draw together and actually get some heads together outside of these live labs partners meetings and actually start talking about this quite seriously even though we're still at the very early stages of this live labs project that's ralph bates head of business development england and wales at clearview intelligence explaining the kit behind the trial that could make a huge difference to the way we light our roads and keep them safe as well you can find out more about this trial and the other six by going to the live labs 2 website highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum it's nearly time to go but let's first tip our hat to somebody or some people doing amazing things for the industry it's time for adrian's accolade and my accolade this week goes to the team at essex county council and Thurrock Council, as well as Southend on Sea Council. A pilot project will see traffic officers deployed on public transport around Essex, and that's set to be launched later this month. Six officers have now trained and begun their roles this month. They aim to make public transport in the county safer. The office will deal with low-level nuisance and disorder, tackle violence against women and girls, target hotspot routes and locations on public transport, and have enforcement powers. Worthy winners of my accolade this week. Thanks, Adrian, and well done to Essex, Thurrock, and the mighty city of Southend, which, of course, is home to the greatest football club on the planet. If only for their initiative and for getting Adrian's accolade this week. That'll do it for today and a great initiative by Clearview Intelligence and East Riding of Yorkshire as part of the Live Labs project on today's podcast. Next week, we'll have a chat with Darren Capes of the Department for Transport and Transport Technology Forum, who'll talk all about the allocation of £20 million from the Intelligent Traffic Management Fund, all part of the plan for drivers and giving authorities chance to deploy advanced technology for traffic signals using emerging technologies to optimize traffic flow and balance traffic across city centers that's definitely a podcast not to miss i'll catch you next wednesday highways voices join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry 